Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by the Liverpool Echo's Everton FC correspondent, Joe Thomas, Everton reporter, Chris Beasley, and our regular guest, Gavin Buckland. And as anyone who listened to Friday's show may remember, Joe, Chris and Gav, once again, correctly predicted the results, if not the scoreline this time, for Everton's match at Chelsea on Saturday. Uh, to start with you, Joe, I don't think any of us could have predicted just how dramatic a draw it would turn out to be, though. No, absolutely. I mean, it was a really interesting game, wasn't it? And I think that, you know, I've just, just written a piece now and just thinking about how Everton are carrying the momentum into, into the international break and how different it feels to the last international break when we had that absolutely appalling week where, where Everton lost home to Leicester, went down to Bournemouth, lost in the Cup, and then obviously lost in the league at Bournemouth. And, you know, quite difficult scenes at the end for, for Frank Lampard. And it just precipitated a, a six-week World Cup break where it was, you know, it was it was a long time, to be honest. It probably felt good to have a break from Everton for a lot of people. As I suppose to this one, obviously Everton are still in a position of peril, but, um, you know, five points from three games, another positive result, a difficult place to go. And, and all of a sudden it feels like we're on an upward trajectory and I thought, well, they did well on Saturday to stay in the game. I didn't think it was Evans' best performance. Thought they struggled to kind of have any kind of control over possession. Struggled for creativity until it mattered. Up until they went 1-0 down, they, they hadn't really created anything of any note. But what the Sean Dyche team seems to do is it seems to have a way of maintaining its position within a game. It doesn't... Obviously, we had the, the Arsenal collapse and I know we lost 2-0 against Liverpool, but... Other than that, they seem to stay in with everything. They seem to believe the mantra that he's trying to impose in them, that anything's possible at any time. And Adelaide Decore and Ellis Sims both proved that right. And, and what a moment for Ellis Sims. You know, it, was, it was great to see him have that moment for you know, in an Everton shirt. And you could see what it meant to the away fans. They, they went wild. It's just another massive point and a, a really handy point, giving in mind some of the other results of the weekend as well. Chris, the professional that you are, I'm sure you didn't get out of your seat in the press box, which you must have been secretly delighted when uh, Sims broke past Koulibaly and slotted that away. It was a lovely moment, as Joe's just Yeah, um, frankly, uh, Joe and I were actually on the back row in the Chelsea press box. I'll tell you what, there were some Everton employees in front of us who were jumping up and down, um, even <laughs> after the first one, to be to be fair. So they were fortunate it was only us um, sat behind them. But yeah, it was a lovely moment for for Ellis Sims, whatever he does or he doesn't do now and um, in, in his career, hopefully there'll be more to come, but he's, he's got that goal um, in the Premier League forever. And then, you know, the fact that 
who was against, you know, Stamford Bridge, where uh, Joe pointed out he, he, to me um, during the game. Of course, he made his debut there last season um, for Everton first start, sorry. And uh, yeah, Kaladu Kalabai, a player who'd long been linked to Everton for massive money and uh, one of the uh, world's top rated centre backs, absolute man mountain. But Sims just shrugged him to one side and then coolly dispatched the finish. So it was worth it just for that. But I agree with Joe. I think Everton were good value for the point. The way that they they battled hard against a Chelsea team who who were you know dominating f- from the start, but they remained in, in the game and to, to fight back twice shows a, um, a real resolute spirit from the Blues. Yeah, you agree with Chris there? Deserved points in the end. Um, yeah, I think on the balance of play, probably not. But in, considering we're the away team and Chelsea's wealth and superiority. Um, it was a bit like 90 minutes the second half of the Brentford game, wasn't it, where they had a lot of the ball in the final third. We didn't really threaten, but at the same time, we didn't really pro- provide that many opportunities. There was a couple of couple of headers, wasn't it, that were saved or went over the bar and the you know, the, the, the one that I, I thought, which was a miss, which I thought summed our defending up, was the, the Kovacevic chance in the first half where he fired it wide from the corner. And you see how many other plays there are between him and the, the goal. You know, the, the spread, you know, Sean spoke about protecting the V. And there's literally like eight or nine Everton players that are just blocking the goal off. And so that's why he ends up hitting it wide. So, yeah, in terms of our defensive durability, uh, and the fact that we are, you know, obviously not not the stronger team. I, I, I don't think anybody uh, think doesn't think that that was a point well earned. I, I thought um, we did well to come back twice. Albeit, I don't think we offered that much in in attack. But you know, really, who cares? I'm I just it, it's a good point that we, we we stayed in the game like we stayed in most games under Dice, and we got we got our rewards. So the only thing I'd say is. As where we were lucky, two dreadful pieces of goalkeeping. I mean, Kepa, I mean, most goalkeepers I know will either clear the ball out, Sandra Corday, or, you know, block, block, the, block the header. He didn't either. And the Alice Sims one, yeah, Sims did really well, but that's woeful goalkeeping as well, letting the side foot go through, yeah. And um, but Sims got, you know, Sims has got his rewards, didn't he, for a great bit of play, play as Chris said. So, we were lucky in that respect, but yeah, quite well earned. And as much as you felt that Forest felt like a, a victory that that was a draw, ended up a draw. Well, it should have been a victory, ended up a draw. That felt like a draw. That felt like a victory, didn't it? Really, it was a draw and felt like a victory on a, on Saturday. The complete opposite to Forest. So yeah, well pleased. Yeah, the scenes at the end were, were brilliant, weren't they? I know the club have been sharing them. A lot of videos of the. Uh, the travelling Evertonians in that end of Stamford Bridge. Uh, and it would have been very different if Sims hadn't done what he did, Joe. Like, I think when we were, were speaking on Friday's show about Brentford, me personally, obviously delighted that we we beat a really, a really informal, a good team in Brentford. But the concern for myself coming away from that game was the lack of options at the bench. But that maybe has changed a little now because we knew Sims was promising. But if he can, I'm not asking him to do that every week, but that kind of confidence he showed to, to, to go at Chelsea in that in, in that manner, all of a sudden, have Everton got something, you know, could be a game-changer off the bench, yeah? 
Yeah, well, if he can build on that, I mean, I don't think we could expect too much from him. That was a brilliant moment, but obviously he's a young player. He's a developing player. And at 22, quite old to be considered a young developing player in the Premier League. Um, yeah, but we'll have to wait and see if he can build on it. I think the jury will still be out on that. But for the next few weeks, we can just let him enjoy his moment. Um, we can have 16 days or however long it is that now until Tottenham where we can bask in the idea of the potential uh, until we see what happens next. But, you know, it's been, it must have been a difficult time for him because obviously he was doing well out at Sunderland, scoring goals, scored goals everywhere he's been, scored goals at Hearts back in the last season as well. Uh, and then to be brought back into that, into Finch Farmer during that January, you know, must have been a really difficult time for him, especially as his importance within the team just ramped up as each week without a sign and went on. And all of a sudden, this you know, this young kid who thought he was probably just going to be an extra body in training gets a February the 1st and he's, you know, third-choice striker. And then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you know, goes off against Arsenal and all of a sudden he's probably only, you know, he's the, one of only two recognised Strikers in the in the first team squad didn't work out from a, a the Liverpool game obviously, but it it seems that behind the scenes there's been a real desire from him to to push on and to build it. Sean Dyche was saying one of the things there was a particular interest support that he said after the Chelsea game was how earlier on that week Ellis Sims who hadn't been getting much an opportunity came up to him and basically sought his advice, sought his guidance, said what do I need to do to kind of progress and. You know, Sean in his you know, quite matter-of-fact way sounds like he threw the question back at Sims and Sims already knew the answers. Sean just said he just needed someone to give him the encouragement to go and to go and you know put his his words into action and, and he and he's done that straight away. So I mean it's you know it's a huge moment for him and like Chris says, you you know, no one will ever be able to take that away from him. Gav's right, both goals were soft goals from the from a keeper perspective, but yeah, we'll take anything that we'll take anything that they can get at, at any point of season, but particularly given the situation that they're currently in. So, but yeah, you mentioned substitutes. Obviously, got another sixteen days now, so you would think that if Dominic Calvert Lewin, you know, will hopefully be back in and around the squad around that time. Sims will be rejuvenated by his goal. Mope will surely be chomping at the bit because obviously Dyche chose Sims over Mope. So, you know, I'm not sure what the implications of that are, but. I imagine he'll be determined to do well. You know, James Gardner hasn't got a kick, but he he's away with the under twenty one, so he'll hopefully get some more match fitness. Patterson hasn't wasn't in the squad the other day, but he's away with Scotland, so he'll get more match fitness. So all of a sudden, the squad will just have a little bit more depth. So and substitutions was something that we spoke a lot about last week. I wrote an article on it that that was really well read and and well engaged with. And what was interesting was that Simon Dykes was saying, well, he doesn't see the point of bringing on players unless he thinks they can make a difference whether it's you know, he's not doing it just for fresh legs in the 60th minute for the sake of it and you know that goal which will mean so much to Everton that equaliser for Ellis Sims obviously it was two late changes that that made the difference it was Vitaly Mikolenko the late sub he played in Ellis Sims the late sub for well via Abdullah Decore for um for the goal so you know maybe it was another example of Deitch ignoring the noise and showing that his instinct is often one that can be trusted and bringing on players when he thinks they can make an impact because those two players certainly did. Yeah, Joe's right there, Chris, that, you know, <laughs> we can't pile too much pressure on Ellis Sims after that. It will be a brilliant goal. Yeah. Do, do you think when he was brought back uh, early, uh, you know, in the January transfer window, that Ooh. he should have been given a go even off the bench a little bit more by Frank Lampard? Because I remember the Brighton game in particular, obviously, Emotions were running high that night, uh, given mm. the collapse in the second half. But 
just felt like why bring him back if you weren't going to give him a chance? You know, do you think we've not harmed his development a little bit? But do you think he should have been given more of a show before before now? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Difficult to say, and I would imagine at the time, um, Paul, that um, they would. I certainly would hope that they were expecting new strikers to to be coming in, so that maybe OK could sort of uh, bridge the gap until one of those expected new faces of a higher profile did come in, but maybe. They thought, well, there's no point in bringing the slab in for a couple of games and then we've got somebody else. But as Joe's already said, the fact is now he is one of the few options. I mean, he's in one fell swoop, he's level with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Neil Mopay now and the grand total of one Premier League goal this season. So I'm sure you how low the bar is in that respect. Um, I don't know. I mean, I suppose you're going to bring him back. He, he, there's no point in um, taking him away from from Sunderland, where he was playing most weeks, for it to just totally discount him here. So maybe he should have been integrated back. He's, he's done. He's done well. He hasn't necessarily looked like he had that in his locker. Um, I mentioned the game, the one game that he did start at Anfield, where I thought he started off quite promising, but then he was he was obviously still very green at this level. And then uh, he's had a few moments where he's come off at the, the bench, and he and that, that that nice sort of hook into Abdelay Decore at Goodison, where he should have done a a bit better, so um, he has shown um, spectacular like that. I just wonder whether between now and the end of the season, that the fact that he's, he's still something of, a, of an unknown quantity could actually make him a, a bit of a danger man to opponents. Someone who's probably not an unknown quantity now because he's I think he's the top scorer since uh, Sean Dyche took charge, and if I'm, I'm not wrong, maybe second or third top scorer, maybe be behind McNeil and and Gray Abdelaye Decore, Gav, who, who obviously. Got the first goal at Chelsea on Saturday and then lovely layoff from McLenko's pass for, for Sims's goal. This is a real bit bonus, isn't it? You know, you know, he's he's been improved massively since he was brought back into the team from Deitch. But this goal scoring threat, this is this is exactly what the team needs, isn't it? Well, it's what he's always had, hasn't he? Um he's just apart from the odd pockets, he's not really shown it for Everton. And uh, I thought he was easily on man of the match on 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 Saturday in a, in the performance where a, a few players were under par. I felt I thought um, it's all it's all about affecting games, isn't it? And and Decore affected the game on on Saturday with li- limited opportunities, given you know that that we were pegged back in our final third for most of the game. So it, it was gratifying to see, and you know we're left with this. You know, not for the first time, somebody you think is going to leave the club at the end of their contract. I think it was pretty much in the open that him and Frank had had a bit of a fallout. Is 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 it, what is what is going on here? Is he just reacting well to Dice, or does he, you know, like we've seen many many times, players near the end of the contract decided to put a bit of a shift in to either get a new contract or get improved terms elsewhere? So it, it's just an interesting narrative here, isn't it? But setting that aside, I thought he was excellent. I uh, thought it was a. I can't, can't remember Everton midfield. You probably have to go back to 
Tim Cahill's day to find another midfielder who scored in consecutive away games with headers. Um, but yeah, thought he was excellent. Good use of the ball on 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 Saturday, and um, as many others have speculated, it, it just raises an interesting question on on his prospects in the summer about whether his contract, you know, which is up for, you know, and was ending is 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 going to be renewed with a a new one. But he didn't do himself any harm on Saturday. Stick with that, really. Start with you, Joe. We'll get all you guys' opinions on it. Like I know you're doing a bit of a Sean Dykes to-do list over these next 16 days which should appear on the Echo in the coming days. And I know his biggest priority uh, and the club's biggest priority is just making sure that it's still in the, the Premier League come next season. But you can imagine there might be one or two discussions maybe taking place regarding something like Decore or is is the ball in Everton's court in, in, in this? Well, the ball's firmly in Everton's court on this because Everton have the, the option to extend it by a year if they want to. So it's in their favour. So... They don't necessarily need to do anything imminently. But I think what we will see over the next fortnight in particular is it's probably first opportunity for Sean Dykes and his team to have a little discussion, a little look at some of the longer-term issues, you know, forward planning. Obviously, decisions are difficult to make whilst it's not clear which league Everton they're going to be in next season. Um, so that's going to hamper a lot of what, you know, what, what they can do. But obviously, they can start to make provisional plans based on it. Yeah, Adelaide Decore probably someone that you don't renew a contract for if you get relegated, just simply because of how expensive he is. So yeah, I think he's, yeah, I think his contract's approaching hundred thousand pounds. So we don't think it's quite there, but it's, you know, it's a significant commitment to make if Everton drop down a league. So yeah, that that's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, with relation to Decore, you know, he's in his thirties now as well. So if you give him a two or three years, you know, there's you're not going to make money out of him at, at the end of it. So. Those are factors that will be be brought in, but he, he's the biggest winner on the Deitch so far. You know, he came straight into Deitch's first lineup, and he's played really, really well throughout. That he's been the best player, and he's been the biggest winner probably with Michael Keane as a as a second to him. So, yeah, so fair play to him. He, you know, Decore loves the club. I sat down with Decore in, in in Washington in America in in the summer, and, and Decore was quite open about how much he was desperate to stay at Everton and, and increase his contract. And he was saying it's actually the club that were kind of stalling on those talks that he, him and his people were pushing for them and the club were holding back a little bit, which I think you can kind of understand a little bit from the club's perspective. But DeCorey felt very genuine in what he was saying about his, his love for the club. I can understand that might have waned under, you know, in the, in the final days of Frank Lampard, given he wasn't playing, but now he's got his new lease of life under under, under Deitch. I'm sure he'll want to stay and I'm sure Deitch will want to keep him if, if, if there's a way in which they can do that. So if they stay in the Premier League, then... He's probably he's probably the most likely of the out of player contract uh, the out of contract players to get a new deal. I think he's ahead of the line probably in in thinking ahead of Yerry Mina, who still hasn't played a minute under Deitch and, and Tom Davis. So you know we'll we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I think it's going to be the first time that we start seeing him look at a few longer term issues. You know, the other the other day he was talking about he'll probably look at the Delhi Alley situation in a little bit more detail during this break and I'm sure you'll catch up with a few of the lone players might, you know, have a little look at Tom Cannon who's out at Preston. Obviously, yeah, they got the international break as well, but might at least, you know, I asked him about Tom Cannon a couple of weeks ago and the reality was that Cannon wasn't on his radar. He can't recall him. So, you know, he's not a top priority at, at the moment. So I think, I think Deitch will be starting to look at some of those longer term things, obviously Tottenham and what comes after that will be the, be the you know, number one priority, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, probably number two, but 
they will start to be looking for, looking towards the summer, and I think there's probably an element of him and Kevin Farwell scoping each other out a little bit as well because Kevin Farwell and Frank Lampard got on really well. Obviously, it's a new relationship, and Dyche is a very different character to, 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 to Frank Lampard. So, yeah, they're probably going to have to sit down and just see you know, whether they have the same ideas, the same tactics, the same vision for Everton going forward, and if not, where they can compromise on. So I, I do think some of that thinking will come into the, into play at Finch Farm over the next fortnight. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chris, but hypothetical there, but say Everton mm-hmm. do uh, secure their Premier League safety. Yeah. Uh, Decore, is it give him another one-year deal, use that option that the club have got? Yeah, see, I, I, I wouldn't say a, a no-brainer, but given that, like you say, it is the option rather than improved terms. Um, and he certainly seems to be um, somebody who's thrived on the, on the dash. I go along with that, with what Joe had said. If anyone, you know, it's sort of stock has raised um, since um, Lampard left and Dyche came in. And it, yeah, it, it's certainly it's Decore number one and, and, and Keane number two. It's, it's offered a different dynamic. Just any sort of goal-scoring threat within the 17 it's worth its weight in gold, isn't it? Um, the fact that there's so few n- prolific goal scorers in there with Calvert-Lewin's continued fitness problems and the, the fact that he's been able to add that. Um, probably hasn't been at this sort of level for a long time for, for Everton. I mean, he was one of the main men, one of Carlo Ancelotti's signings, wasn't he, in that season that none of us were there because it was all behind closed doors, 2020-21 season and uh, sort of... Um, Started well on under Benitez last season, but like the team, everything unraveled very quickly then after that promising start last season. So, um, playing catch just frozen out in those, those last days in the Lampard, but yeah, I, I think he, he's certainly worth a, 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 another year. And if, if Everton were, were to hopefully um, stay up, he'd be one of the, the experienced pros because I think a lot of it's going to come down to character as, as, as much as ability with a lot of players and whether Dyche fancies you or not. And uh, he seems to be one who's been a good fit so far. I'll throw the question, the Corey contract question open to you as well. But it's what do you make of Everton's midfield early? Obviously. The three seem to be the settled ones in there at the moment. So, while we played there a lot on the Lampard, Joe mentioned Garner come back, but in the summer, it looks like Tom Davis is is going to go. You know, do, do you, should if Everton stay up next year, look to keep the core, or do you think we need a bit of a, a refresh in there? Um, it's a, it's a thin system on this, isn't it? Because as I've said before, it's not a particularly well balanced midfield we've got, is it? Really, we've got nobody, no one can pass the ball properly. And and we've got a fairly limited goal score and threat, notwithstanding the Corey scored twice in two away matches. The fact that we're making that such a big thing is just shows you what a lack of goal scoring that we've had yeah. in the middle of the park for the last twelve months. That's such a big thing. And we're talking about it when really in a in a decent team, a decent team that should be taken as red, that midfielders will score. So that so we do need it's an area of the pitch that needs Needs to correct balance, which is not there at the moment. We still haven't got a proper number six. 
So I don't think we should rest on our laurels here. Um, I think with Decore, what, what he's got in his favour is is the fact that is I don't mean to bore an accounting stuff again. Is if you say his fee was what was his fee was a twenty million something like that um, over three years. He's probably costing us eleven to twelve million a year in terms of his contract and wages at the moment. But once his contract's over in the summer, then he's only going to cost us wages. So. In terms of the club, it'll be a cheaper option for us than not renewing his contract and then getting somebody else in that we're going to have to pay a transfer fee for as well. So I think in in some respects, he's holding he's holding some cards in his favour. So I've, I've not, not got a problem renewing his contract on that basis, but whether he renew it on some of the, the numbers on his wages that Joe was talking about is a, is a moot point. It may be that he gets a better offer elsewhere as somebody on a free, perhaps. So we don't have to take it as that, that actually he wants to stay here. Somebody else offers him more money, you may, you may move. So he's, he's got lots of things in his favour financially in terms of Evans' financial position. But at the same time, you know, the club might may want to restructure the midfield on the basis that the Corey and Arnold, I think, offer similar, similar strengths. So it's a difficult one for me, um, and it depends what's going on elsewhere in, in terms of other players' futures and what money what money is available. Definitely, one uh, sure we're going to be keep on talking about in the coming weeks and months. And as you say, hopefully, come the end of the season, Everton is still in the Premier League, and it probably makes the decision a bit easier. And uh, you know, everyone was was buzzing with that result at the weekend, and, and some of the performances, some of the results since uh, Sean Dyche has taken over. But you still look at that table, uh, Joe, and like it's so tight, isn't it? I think it's four points from 12th to 20th. And if the teams win the games in hand below Everton, Everton will will drop back into that bottom three. But in uh, your verdict, uh, after the Chelsea game on Saturday, you, you finished it with by saying that Everton actually have, have momentum now, which a lot of the other teams down there don't. Does that give you hope that you know the, the, the club can stay up again? Yeah, there's a lot of things that give me hope, I think, to be honest. Obviously, it's... Five points from from three games, two goals scored in the last two away games. They're finding a way to not just stay in games, but they're finding a way to score goals. Which, bearing in mind that they don't have a recognised first team striker with experience and a history of scoring goals, and even the players in midfield aren't used to contributing that many. I mean, that's that's quite an achievement. I think there are definitely other teams around Everton that are on a worse trajectory than they are. You look at Forest, for instance; they're going backwards a little bit. Bournemouth took a hammer in the other day. Obviously, they beat Liverpool the week before. It's so up and down, isn't it? Southampton, I mean, it was a great comeback from them against Spurs. So maybe they've got a little bit of fight. But, you know, Crystal Palace, again, their goal difference took a hit against Arsenal on Sunday. They're only a point off those. So everything just seems to be moving upwards in Evans' favour. I guess it's just a case of whether or not they can make progress quick enough um, to... to to, to, or a quicker pace and the teams around them. I still fear that still fear that West Ham, Leicester and Wolves will just have enough quality to pull through. And if you take them free, all of a sudden it becomes three from six rather than three from nine. But you know, Deitch is Deitch, it feels like every week Everton are getting stronger. And it's starting to feel as well now as if the, the results are starting to back that up. And I think that for a long time post World Cup, we looked at these this run of fixtures and thought, 
uh, Lincoln-Eck, that's going to be a difficult, difficult run, that is. You know, you've got Brentford at home, Chelsea away, Spurs at home, United away. And you look at that and you're thinking where the point's going to come from. Well, they beat Brentford, ended Brentford's unbeaten run, taking a point away from Stamford Bridge. All of a sudden, Chelsea, sorry, all of a sudden Spurs are in meltdown. You know, Anthony, Antonio Conte's gone out and had that rant at the weekend. And the best thing about that for Everton is, obviously, there's clearly massive open wounds there. But for the next 10 days, none of them are going to get a chance to heal because half the squad will be away on international duty with just, you know, just that simmering in the background. So that's a chaos that they've got to address um, before the before the Everton game. It's going to be Goodison Park under the lights on a Monday night. Richarlison may be out. He's missing the Brazil's friendly with, with Morocco because of his injury. So you don't have the narrative about him coming back to Horn 7 potentially. You know, Dan Juma, I imagine, will get a lot of stick from the Everton fans. I just, Tottenham, Tottenham doesn't seem a game to fear anymore to me, especially, you know, not just with what's going on at their place, but also with what's going on for, for Everton as well. And then even after that, you go Manchester United, Everton go Monday night against Tottenham into Saturday early kickoff against against Man United. Well, Man United play on the Sunday, then they play on the Wednesday, then they play on the Wednesday night, and then they play on the, uh, the, the Saturday mornings or Saturday lunchtime. So, I mean, they're going to be, their squad's going to be under a huge amount of strain. Um, and they've got Sevilla, which is probably as hard a draw as they could have expected in the Europa League the following Thursday. So it may well be the, you know, a side that now isn't going to win the Premier League if they're too far away from Arsenal, but they're clearly going to finish in the Champions League places. You never know ever. It might be a game that they don't take as seriously, that they rest a few players for it with Sevilla coming up. And even then, you've got Fulham going into meltdown as well, so there'll be no Mitrovic. So, you know, again, all of a sudden, those three or four games that for so long have kind of, I don't know, struck a bit of fear in, in my in my psyche. Well, two of, them are, two of them are gone. I haven't got four points from them. I'm not worried by Tottenham. I think, I think Everton now need to look at the April fixture list and see it as an opportunity rather than look at it with any kind of fear. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Chris, uh, you're in Sean Dyche's press conferences, and I remember working over in East Lancashire a number of years ago when he he, he covered Burnley, and he likes his buzzwords, but you know I don't think he just throws them out there willy nilly. I think he does believe in them, and one we keep on hearing here is relentless mentality, doesn't he? I think he said that a few times now, and he's saying the players are really getting that now. Do, do you see that as well? Yeah, the um, there's. Um... A real um, difference in, in the way that they uh, they went about themselves uh, at the weekend at Chelsea compared to so, so many of those flat displays that, we, that, that we've seen for unfortunately for for a long time. And it's mostly the same group of players, like we said, that played the Corey's come back in from the cold and Mike and Michael Keane. But yeah, the, um, the, the just the way that. They, they, they stuck at it. It was a piece of, I mentioned in my analysis, but even before the game, you could see that the way Everton were preparing for this one, the back four, they, they were out there in a line as a defensive unit. And one of the drills they were doing pre-match, they had Connor Cody and Mason Holgate just 
lumping balls up to them and they were all taking turns in headers, moving backwards and forwards as a line. Tends to be James Tarkowski is the most vocal of the back four. He leads them forwards and backwards. And that's what they were they were doing for a long time at Chelsea, unfortunate when they, you know, Chelsea got their break, shot goes in off the post after Keynes originally cleared the first one and uh, Tarkowski was closing it down, but they just couldn't get there in time. So that, that's been the problem for a long time that you, you fear, you know, first goal wins with Everton, whereas now maybe not quite as as, as um, black and white as, as that um, Forest away, Chelsea away now, 2-2 two, two both ways. Um, Everton went ahead twice at Forest and they came from behind twice at, at, at Chelsea. So there is that, that what we call it relentlessness or resoluteness. Um, so at least they hang into the games and that even if they do go behind, finally, you, you actually think that they've got a chance of coming back again. Gavin, when we spoke on the podcast on Friday, you you were always not not overly confident, but confident that you know Everton could get out of this. But is that another step on there, Chelsea on Saturday going into these next two big games? As Joe talks about there, Tottenham and Man United. Do you think within the players they'll really take a lot from 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 what happened at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, well, I haven't just had Joe's piece. To be honest with you, I'm totally confident now we're going to stay up. Not only that, <laughs> I haven't, haven't had Joe's piece. I think we're outside bets for the Champions League eh, this season, to be fair. <laughs> so the, um, <laughs> the but, 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 but set that aside, obviously, you know, there are there are several positives, aren't they? Um, in terms of the way faces deal its cards to us over the next few weeks. And um, you saw that at the weekend, and both for us and what's happened with other clubs. So, yeah, I felt that anything for the next three games was a bonus. And uh, that was certainly a bonus on Saturday in terms of giving the team confidence going into the next two fixtures. Still got a funny feeling that we're going to get a new manager bounce against Spurs in a couple of weeks, but we'll just path that for now. Yeah, so but answer the question, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking we've got 11 points. From, is it 11 points from seven? 11 points in eight games, is it? We've got. Uh, yeah, if you, get, yes. if, you, if, you, if you get 11 points from our next eight games, we'll have 37, won't we, I think? From, from 36 matches, something like that. Um, so if we maintain this form, we, we, we should have enough in the. enough spare, I think, to keep us, keep us in the Premier League. But that's that's for another day. But definitely, that was it. Going back to what I was saying before, we felt Forrest was two points dropped. That was definitely a point gained, wasn't it, on Saturday in, um, in pressurised circumstances and fair play to Dyson, fair play to the players for, for showing a lot of um, resilience over the 90 minutes, but having the, having the guts to side back as well when they went behind twice, as Chris said. So, yeah. If that's a point towards the rest of the season, then uh, I think we'll be in uh, good shape. And Joe, you you know, after the game, I know you spoke to Sean Dyche and he spoke about the plans for the international break. And he said, yeah, of course, there'll be, there'll be a lot of work, but we'll also give the, the players time off because they've really bought into what he's wanted to do and put a lot of work in. And that's, you know, it's evidenced by that. And saying Gav was just talking about there. Again, there's still a lot of work to be to be done, but got to be honest, like I, I, you've got to give Dyche and the players a lot of, a credit because it was only you know you can think back to Frank Lampard's last game the the two nil defeat at West Ham and then there was Brighton and Southampton before that I think most Evertonians at that point although you know quietly confident that Dyche could improve things this is 
you know, without getting eight wins out of eight or maybe six wins out of eight, this is a pretty encouraging start, isn't it? You know, and he, he has done what we hoped he'd done so far. Well, yeah, I don't realistically think the start could have been any better, to be honest. Everton, of the nine teams that are in this relegation fight, Everton have comfortably now the best form of all of them since Deitch took over. And when you bear in mind that that includes playing, you know, champions elect Arsenal home and away, Liverpool away, Chelsea away, and a Brentford side that, you know, a Brentford side that had was unbeaten in 12 and a Forest side that's home record had kept it out of trouble this season to that point. You know, that, that, that really is a, an exceptional achievement. And I think you know, it was two points dropped against against Forest, but it was two, it was mainly two points dropped that they didn't then go and beat Brentford. I think everyone would have taken four points from those two games. It was just a lot more nervy because obviously the one point came first. So, you know, I, I think that, yeah, there is a long way to go. Everton still have a lot of difficult fixtures to play. They still have a squad that is probably, certainly in terms of depth, one of the weakest ones in the Premier League. You know, there's still question marks over Dominic Calvert-Lewin's fitness and where the goals are going to come from. But all those questions have existed for, for, for a long time. And for you know, the last eight games, Dyke just managed to find answers and solutions to them. So, you know, if you give them another fortnight at Finch Farm to get to know the place and the players even more and to plot out the, the final 10 games, and you give them them 10 games, there's, there's nothing to suggest that you won't keep on making progress. I think Everton, yeah, they're certainly in a much better position than I expected them to be at this point, you know, three or four weeks ago. And, and, and we need to take the positives from that. I think if this is... Yeah, this if this is a relegate if this becomes a chaotic relegation battle where the most organised teams stay up, then Everton stay up comfortably under Daichi. If it becomes a relegation battle where all the sides at the bottom are picking up points, and it almost becomes about how many goals you can score, that's when it becomes a little bit harder for Everton, I think. But you know, it you know it might not get to that point. And, and anyway, you know, it's five goals in the last three games now, four of them away from home and the other one being a match winner. So, you know, Deitch is finding solutions to that issue as well. So, you know, I, I think you can only really give him top marks for the impact that he's had so far. And we've just got to hope that this isn't just a, I don't think it will be, but this isn't just a, a prolonged new manager bounce and actually can, you know, he's, he's just found genuine and genuine improvements that can be consistently replicated to the end of the season within the seven squad. If he can do that, then they'll be fine. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Chris, Joe said earlier that after that last international break against Bournemouth, those two defeats that <laughs> you had to live through uh, going down there twice in a week, no one wanted to see Everton again. You're actually going to miss us for the next couple of weeks before we return? But yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? You do, you have to, on the one hand, <laughs> you, you can... I can see how much you can't bask too much in in, a, in just a draw, but you know a, a very positive uh, a way to display and result at, at Chelsea. You got uh, sixteen days to, to sit on it, but yeah, you probably would want to be getting back out there again because given that the 
the form in, in, in recent weeks. As Joe says, it, it's interesting. I'll say interesting, but because um, it's, it's 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 a very fretful situation. But um, the the relegation battle, the way the way it's gone, I think with so many teams being in, involved in it now, and we know that the when they come back, the next set of few fixtures, uh, a lot of the teams in and around that area, well, I say in and around, so many are in it, are actually facing um, each other. So somebody's going to be picking up points. But I, I think that the, the good thing for Everton is is that it does. So many teams involved now. I think Gab's mentioned this before. I mean, sheer um, rules of mathematics, and from, from uh, it's less likely to be you. And certainly, if, if Sean Dyche's team are doing their job, I mean, you say it's an, it's an easy generalization just to concentrate on your on your own games. And you certainly couldn't do that when it was the five thirty kickoff at Chelsea, and we we're having to see all those other goals going around the grounds beforehand, and a lot of them not necessarily in Everton's favour, but. If they've got eight or nine teams genuinely in this relegation battle now, um, as long as you do your job, the hope is that under under Deitch, you you will get enough, enough points to to um, outscore. At le- sorry, outpoint at least uh, three of them. So yeah, it, it probably is a shame that they're they're not going straight back out there next week. Gav, give the final word to you. Uh, this is the, the final breather we have, isn't it? Before. What, 11 games in the space of, I don't know, probably about seven weeks to the uh, first weekend of April to the last weekend of May. How are you feeling going into it then? Uh, I can only say what was being said before. A lot more confident than what I was before the last international break. And going back to what I was saying before, if we maintain our form, that was shown. And, and, and as Joe said there, we, we picked up points in it. In a, in, a, in a group of fixtures where we played some really tough teams. And um, if we maintain that form and the current style of play, I think just by just by generally keeping it tight, not conceding goals and, and having a threat from set pieces, I think if we, we can do that, then I'm confident we'll, we'll stay up. But I'm, I mean, the thing is as well, is what you you don't want to sort of say when staying up that we go into the, the final game of Cenas as, as a Bournemouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't want to say, as in, need to get something against Bournemouth to stay up. I, I mean, I, I mean, staying up where you know after game 35 or 36, you're safe. And I think if we maintain our cut, not current form, then I think there's enough points available in that time for us to get there or thereabouts. But I think, think that this. This Spurs, these Spurs and Fulham games look pretty crucial. Like, don't they coming up the, the two home matches? I, I, I've just got a funny feeling that Spurs might have been a game he would have wanted to play this weekend, not the following weekend, because they'll have a fortnight to regroup. Yeah. And um, I, th- I think I think that might have been a game better played on Saturday or whenever it was going to be played, not not two weeks, because they'll have, they'll have two weeks to sort uh, a few issues out. And maybe come out um, far on all cylinders, which won't be ideal, I think. But as we played in this weekend, I think there might still be a bit, bit of chaos still um, around there. So, yeah, if we carry on working hard and do, doing our best, which I'm sure we were pretty much close to at the moment in terms of the optimum, you know, getting everything the best out of the team and the formation, then I think we should be okay. 
Uh, and on that upbeat note, it'll be uh, the yeah. end of today's Royal Blue podcast. Yeah, 33 points to play for. And if we're all as positive yeah. uh, as we have been throughout this podcast, you never know, Europe may still beckon. But uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we'd all like to be safe before that Bournemouth game, having lived through uh, Palace last season. Uh, Joe, Chris and Gav, thanks very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed listening and uh, we'll speak to you again later this week. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.